Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. So what does Jesus look like? We're doing a series called, called Letting People See Jesus. And we've been looking at the gospel accounts of him, his earthly life. But in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, we don't think of Jesus according to the flesh anymore. I think that's verse 16. He says, we no longer think of Jesus according to the flesh. We used to, but we don't anymore. And we don't think of anyone else according to the flesh anymore. That's what Paul says. And then he goes on to say, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. So there's this difference between what a person looks like on the outside and what they're like on the inside. The Bible talks about it like a jar of clay holding a a bright treasure on the inside. And you are a jar of clay. You look like a jar of clay. And I'm not insulting you. I'm telling you what the Bible says. As pretty as you are, no matter how great you look on the outside, it's compared to the treasure inside you. It's just clay, but inside there's something awesome. So let me tell you what Jesus really looks like. Revelation 1, John saw him and it says... um, In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged sword and his countenance or his face was like the sun shining in its strength and we've been looking for the last three weeks at a story in the gospels when the physical man jesus looked like this real jesus that that's in heaven so peter james and john went up on a mountain with jesus and suddenly jesus started it says his face shone like the sun and he shined out like glory And Peter tried to put it in a tabernacle. He said, let's build a tent for this. And God rebuked him and said, no, listen to him. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And my purpose today is to tie all of this up. It's very nice talking about a subject. Everyone loves to just discuss a subject. Oh, that's an interesting idea. Oh, what about this thought? Yeah, but let's make it practical today. Is that okay, my friends? Let's say, how do you and I do this? Show Jesus out of our earthly bodies to the world around us. How do we do this in an everyday practical way? We know that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, the Bible tells us in Acts 10, 38. And we know that he was full of grace and truth. He showed his glory by being full of grace. That means kindness and truth. He spoke the truth. We know that he did miracles. He said, as well as saying the kingdom of God is here, he showed the kingdom of of God in heaven. He fed 5,000 people. He healed people. He raised the dead. Uh, He walked on water. He showed that heaven, if it comes to earth, changes things. So it was his character and the works that he did. And I want to show us today, as practically as I can, how do we do this? Is that all right? So, I've got several verses that I want to just go through. Um, Let's just, first of all, look at the, the main passage. Mark chapter 9, the very end, God the Father appears, and Jesus is shining in his glory, and Peter's talking about building tents, And God says, this is my beloved son, hear him or listen to him. And that's what I want to focus on today. 
Those words, hear him. You know, God could have said, copy him. God could have said, touch him. God could have said, ask him to lay hands on you and change you. God could have said a lot of things, but he said, hear him. And the reason that's so important is because there's only one way that the spiritual power, this glory that's inside you and that's inside me can come out. There's only one way I can sense it and see it, and there's only one way it can come out of me, and that's by hearing the words of God. That is it. And it sounds so simple. And many of us think, oh yeah, I've heard that before. But can I just challenge you and say this? If the glory of God is not manifesting out of your life, in your character, in your words, in your life, in your health, in doing miracles, then you haven't got this sermon. <laughs> Is that okay? It's as simple as that. If you're not shining God's glory to the full extent, then you need to hear what I'm going to say today. You say, I've heard people talk about the Bible and the Word of God. I've heard that so many times. Friends, if we haven't expressed God's glory, shone it out like Jesus does, if people don't see Jesus in us, then we haven't understood what I'm going to say today. And I'm going to try and make it as plain as I can to you today. So the Bible says in the middle of us, there's the glory of heaven. Just like Jesus had the, the glorious heavenly Jesus on the inside of him, you have the power of heaven inside of you. We've gone through many verses talking about that. It talks about amazing things in you. And we look at that and we say, I don't feel like I have heaven inside of me. And that's because it's a spiritual thing. It can't be, we looked last week at, at the verse in 2 Corinthians 9, which says it can't be seen, heard, or conceived with the mind. It can't be logically understood. It's a spiritual thing. It's an invisible, intangible thing. So the question is, how do I get it out? It's in the inside of me, but I'm an earthly being. I live on an earthly world where I use my five senses to sense what's going on. I use my brain to understand how am I going to, understand and access what's inside of me. How can I? How is it possible? What I need is something that can bridge the gap between the supernatural, spiritual, invisible realm and this material, earthly realm. I need something that can bridge both worlds. What can it be? How can I, how can I find something that will allow me with my physical mind and senses to access what's invisible and incomprehensible to the natural mind. What is it? You see, again, many of us think, if I just go and I get prayer from this person, then I'll access it. If I just go to that place, Jerusalem, Mecca, wherever, you know, all these, if I go to that place, I'll get it. If I, if I just pray and, and cry out to God enough, I'll get it. If I do a whole lot of good works, I'll get it. But the Bible makes it very clear. There's only one way that we can access this power, this life that God's put in us. You know what happens to many Christians? We hear the good news of Jesus and we say, wow, Jesus died for my sins. And God's word penetrates and we see something with our heart, with our spirits. And we say, yes, thank you, Lord. And we take it in and we, we get born again. But then we slip out of the spirit and out of faith and we now go into the flesh where we think, if I can just be good enough or if I can just sense it, I need to go to a meeting where I can sense the presence of God or, or I can 
hear a preacher be so emotional that my emotions are stirred, or I hear a song that makes me cry, or I want to see a movie that affects my, my flesh, and we're trying to recapture that life that we got through the Word of God, that access to the Spirit. We're trying to recapture it with our flesh. It's, it's true. <laughs> you, may not, you may not agree, you may not understand, but I just want to tell you, this is the key. This is the key to Christianity. I, when I first became a Christian, I used to be an up-and-down Christian. Sometimes I was close to God and on a mountain and singing and joyful. Other times I was in the valley and, oh, where is God? He's left me. And I was up and down and up and down. And it was always because I was working on my feelings... And then when my feelings weren't good, I thought I must be good enough to get back to the mountain. And both of those are fleshly, physical, earthly, jar of clay things. And one day, it dawned on me that it's actually already in me, but it's in this invisible place. And I need to just let it out. And the Word of God is the way that I do that. Very important. You might have heard this sermon many times, but I promise you, if you get this today... It'll change you. If you're depressed, the problem is not, you don't need people to lay hands on you. You don't need a whole lot of other things. You need the Word of God to access what's already inside you and let it out. If you're sick, that's what you need. If you are struggling with sin, if your character has all sorts of flaws, if you're having mental problems and thoughts that don't work properly, the answer is getting the Word to get in. It's like a sword that goes through the joints and marrow, the soul and the spirit. Ephesians 4, uh, Hebrews 4 verse 12 says, The word of God is like a two-edged sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The word of God is the only thing that can go from the physical into the spiritual and then bring the spiritual back out to the physical. There's nothing else. Nothing else. We try other things. We try religion. We try emotion, we try experience, we try this, we try that, we try everything. We leave this place and go to another church and another ministry and another place. Let me just get this glory of God. It's in you, my friends. And the Word of God is the way you get it out. You say, I don't want to go through the Word of God, Ruth. I, I much prefer the emotions and the spectacular. The problem is that's fleshly. It relies on our physical body, our physical senses. And we're told clearly in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 15, 50, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Whatever we experience or build with our flesh, if it's just from flesh, it just it gets burned up. It won't enter the kingdom. There's no eternal glory. There's no power in it. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. He says, I know you're a teacher. I want to, I want to learn from you. And Jesus says, you have to be born again Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You're, you have to be born of the spirit. And he was trying to understand. He was trying to work it out with his brain. He was saying, but how, how can I be born again? What must I do? And Jesus was saying, it's not a fleshly thing. It's not something you work out or you feel. It's a spiritual. You have, your spirit has to be born again by God's spirit. And then you, you enter the kingdom of heaven. So, before I go on to what I want to say. Let me just clearly say to you, you have, if you're a Christian, you have all of heaven in you. The glory of heaven. 
the closeness of heaven, the forgiveness of heaven. You're at peace with God. You have the mind of Christ. The power of God is in you. And if you're trying to access it by anything fleshly, experience, emotion, effort, religion, being good, you're going to miss it. But if you let the Word of God be like a sword that comes in, pierces, shows you what's in you, and then the sword comes out again, you speak the Word of God like the sword of the Spirit, you'll see a massive change in your life. Is that okay? So, let me go quickly. Why is the Word so powerful? Remember in the beginning, God said, let there be light. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were made by the Word of God, so that everything that is visible was not made from what can be seen. In other words, there was the spiritual realm which is invisible, and the only thing that made that into this was God speaking. That's it. His Word is the power that brings it out. In John chapter 6, Jesus starts off John chapter 6 with 20,000 people following Him. It says multitudes were following Him and He fed them all. Do you remember the story? Beginning of John chapter 6. At the end of John chapter 6, there's just 12 disciples and He says, Do you guys want to leave Me as well? Everyone's left Him. And you know what happened in the middle? They said, Show us a sign. Give us some more bread. Feed us again. And he said, it's not the physical that matters. It's the spiritual. It's not about physical miracles and, and seeing signs. It's about the spiritual bread. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then Jesus said this in John 6 verse 63. He said, the flesh profits nothing. The spirit gives life. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Let me say that again. So all these people are wanting a sign. They want more bread. They, want, they love the signs and the physical stuff. And they want to see another spectacular thing. And Jesus said, the flesh counts for nothing. Don't, don't look at this physical world. The spirit gives life. Then he said something so amazing. He said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. What he was saying is that even though you can hear my words with your physical ears, even though it's a natural physical thing, even though you can look at words on a page and it's in this world, it's the one link that goes all the way through. It's the sword that pierces down into the spiritual realm. The words that I speak to you are spirit in their life. So many times, I think it's, I don't know how many times, more than seven times in the Bible, it says, the word of the Lord endures forever. The flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord endures forever. This word is not just, it's not a mistake that we've got this Bible. It's not a mistake that, you know, some people chose this book and they left that book out and, oh, and somehow it just got translated and we got it right and they didn't make mistakes and this passed down and somehow we found the books and, oh, good, well, we've got 66 books. Well, let's make that our Bible. This endures forever it's it's a holy thing it's it's a, a valuable thing and that's why the devil attacks the bible he says let's let's put out messages saying the bible is not the truth it's, it can't be trusted you can add this other book you can add this other message this has been mistranslated this isn't really what it is god 
put such value on the Bible that he made sure we got it right. Through all the ages, through all the generations, this is God's word. And everything you see around you, including your own physical body, will pass away. This will never pass away. This is the sword, the link between the spiritual and the physical. Just like God spoke and the spiritual became the world, this word is the link. It is something of incredible value and power. Isn't that interesting? Just one more quick story. Luke 17. The Pharisees came to Jesus and they knew that he was talking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And they knew that that meant all of the power and the glory and the wonderful peace and joy of heaven coming to earth. They knew that. And Jesus walked around saying, the kingdom of God is here. And the Pharisees went to him in Luke 17. Let me read it to you. Verse 20. And they said, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. They were looking with their physical eyes. They wanted to see the Romans got rid of and God's glory come. Jesus said, don't use these eyes. It doesn't come with observation or look there, see there, see here. It's not a thing you look for. It's a thing you see on the inside. And how do I see it? It's invisible. The Word of God. Is that all right? Okay. So let's try and make this practical now. Okay, promises. Let me do promises first. The Word of God, we know we're supposed to look at it like a mirror. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how we look at God's glory as in a mirror. James 1 verse 23 says the Bible is a mirror. So I look at my life and I, I look at who I am and I go to the mirror every morning and I look at myself and I say, oh, you're looking a bit rough today or whatever. And I look at my emotions and I say, how do I feel? But actually the Bible says that this word is a mirror and this is how I see who I really am. We gaze at God's glory as in a mirror. And one of the best ways to do that is by looking at God's promises. I want to go quickly. I could, this is a, a whole sermon in itself. But 2 Peter 1 verse 3 says something about God's promises. It says this, His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So it's saying we already have everything that pertains to life and godliness. He's already given it to us. But then it says in verse 4, by which we have been, he has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Promises. That through these, and listen to these next few words. If, if they weren't in the Bible, I wouldn't actually believe them. It says... Through these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. What it's saying is, if I look at the Bible like a mirror, and I see promises in it. What is a promise? A promise is where God says, I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. That's a promise. The, it says, if I see a promise in the Bible... I can, through that promise, be a partaker of the divine nature. That means this divine power that's already in me, I start to experience it. 
Friends, this is powerful. I was walking on a golf course. We were trying to decide the future of our life. And God just was there in power. I was praying. I was on my face on the, I think it was the 15th green. It was a Monday afternoon. There was no one else playing. I was on my face. And the Lord said to me, my promises are more sure and more steadfast than this ground you're lying on. And suddenly I realized that everything I've trusted in, everything I can see, is just vapor compared to the power, the eternal reality of just one promise that I find in the Bible. If I find a promise in the Bible and it becomes real to me, I become a partaker of the divine nature. It comes out of me. It start, I start to become like Jesus is on the inside of me. That heaven that's in me starts to break out and shine through. You say, Greg, what, what promise? How do I know? What, what are you talking about? If you read a promise, all of your children will be taught of the Lord, and great will be thy peace. Isaiah 54, I believe it is. I read that, and I can think, well, that's interesting. Isaiah was talking to the Jews, and God was saying his children... No, no, I look at that and I say, I'm looking as in a mirror. I'm seeing God's glory already in me. I'm not reading it like an intellectual textbook. Oh, let's study the Greek and Hebrew and try and understand the context. No, no, this is power. This is life to me. This is a mirror by which I see what God has already put in me. Because I can't see it any other way. If I go by my emotions, I don't see it. If I go by my senses, I don't see it. But the mirror tells me what's in me. And I see the promise. All of my children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. And I say, God, yes, I take that. And God's glory breaks out. Does that make sense? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. As I hear the Word of God, faith breaks out in me and it starts to come forth. I see God's glory in His Word. Is that all right? Right, now I just want to talk about speaking His Word. As I see what God has got for me, as I gaze as in a mirror on His glory, as I look at His Word, just one word, I just need to find one verse and just meditate on it and see what God has already put in me, rather than seeing it as like a legalistic thing I have to do. No, it's a promise to me. It's a promise. Thank you, God. Every good promise. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20 says, No matter how many promises God has made, in Christ, they are yes. And the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. No matter how many promises, there's 7,000 of them in the Bible. You find any of them, you say, God, is this for me? He says, it's a mirror, my son. Look, that's what I promised you. You say, yes, yes, in Christ, it's yes. And I take it and the glory of God breaks out. And then you hear Professor Reverend Dr. So-and-so saying, Oh, you should not interpret the Bible like that. You, sh you should take the context and the list and the that. And we start to get doubt and we look at our flesh again and we say, maybe that promise isn't for me. And God says, if you will pursue, if you will let the sword go deepen and say, all of God's promises are yes for me, it breaks out. Is that all right? Right, so how do I speak it out? I've got lots of verses, but I'm not going to read any more verses. I'm just going to tell you. God's words in your mouth are powerful. They are so, so powerful. Um, I, I can't help myself. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, If you see this mountain, 
and you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and believe that what you say will happen, you will have what you say. It says say three times in that verse. If you see this mountain and you say to it, be removed and cast into the sea, and believe that you will have what you say, you will have what you say. As the Word of God comes out of our mouths, just like when God said, let there be light, and the spiritual became physical, this power within us comes out and becomes physical in our lives. Friends, words are not just words. Words are the way that the spiritual and the physical interact with each other. Words are the way that God's power inside of you, you see it, but then it comes out. You speak it out and it comes out. We've got to say God's words. We've got to say them out. We've got to speak. We've got to speak to our bodies. We've got to say, wrist, stop being sore. We've got to say to our emotions, praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, praise His holy name. We've got to talk to ourselves. We've got to speak God's words out in order for them to become reality in our lives. And then, just like Jesus, full of grace and truth, what happens is the righteousness that's already in you starts to come out. If you start speaking God's words, it comes out. You become more righteous. You become more happy. You become more peaceful. You become more like Jesus because you're speaking. And as you speak, His words are creating something in the physical world out of the spiritual reality that's in you. It's powerful. You speak it and it happens. And then when it's happening in your own life, then you start looking around and you start saying, what can I speak to in my environment? Let me speak to my family members who are unsaved. You and all your household will be saved. And I start speaking it out and it changes. Things change. And then I speak to situations. I say, the Lord says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And I speak to those nations. Say, nations, come in in Jesus' name. I speak to unsaved people. I speak to uh, lack and fear and bondage and all sorts of things. And I tell them God's will and His kingdom breaks out because I'm speaking His words. And yet many of us, many Christians, live in this... Let me describe the place that many Christians live in. God, I'm a frail human earthly worm. God, you are the great one in the heavenly realms. God, if I'm good enough, please, would you? Please, would you do something to help me? And actually, the Bible says, you have the glory of God inside of you. Ephesians 3 verse 20 said, God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine according to the power that's within you. Not calling it down from somewhere else. It's in you. <laughs> Instead of crying out and trying with human emotion and effort and experience and religion to try and get God to do something, we say it's already in me and I'm speaking it forth. And, and it changes the world. My last point is that tongues, when I pray in tongues, it sounds weird. It's like, what are you talking about? A funny language. The Bible says when a person prays in tongues, their spirit prays mysteries to God. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. As I speak in tongues, what's happening is, even though I don't understand the words, God understands the words. The spirit realm understands the words. The words. The fleshly realm, the creation, my body understands the words. My mind doesn't. But when I speak God's words in tongues, things change. Things change. So friends, how do I do this? How do I get what's in me out? I gaze on His glory, not through my physical senses, not through using my own logic, just by using His word. I come into church and I say, I'm feeling depressed. I've had a fight with my boss. I've had a problem with this. My, this is going badly. My bank balance is low. This and this and this. But then I say, that's fleshly. What does God's mirror say about me? What does God's mirror say about His Word? I look at His Word and I let it show me the reality of what's in me. And then I speak it out. I speak God's Word. I speak, I prophesy to things, to situations. I speak with thanksgiving and praise. I speak and things start to change. And the world around me changes. You say, Greg, I was hoping for something a little bit more intellectual today. I was hoping for something that would make me think and debate and, oh, that's interesting. Friends, this is meat and potatoes, but I promise you it will change your life. It's changed my life. There's nothing that has changed my life like the Word of God coming in and then going out, being spoken out. Nothing. I promise you nothing. I've had hands laid on me by the biggies in the world. I've been in the great experiences of, of Christian worship in the world. I've had all the other stuff. I've tried religion. I tried this thing where I would try really hard. And for, for a year, I fasted twice a week. And I got up at four every morning to pray. And I did everything I could. And then I fasted for 28 days at the end of that. And I said, God, I'm going to be good enough. Nothing has changed my life like letting His Word come in and then speaking His Word out. And just to close, it says that Jesus went up on the mountain and was transfigured, metamorphosized. The Greek word is metamorpho, before their very eyes. Romans 12 verse 2 says, You do not be conformed to this world. Don't let this physical world tell you who you are. Be metamorphosized, transformed, metamorpho, by the renewing of your mind, and then you'll be able to do God's will. If you let God's word change your mind, all of, all of heaven will break out. So what I want us to do today is we, there's no pressure. We don't have to earn God's presence. You don't have to do anything. You just have to relax in God's presence. We're going to sing some songs. And there's, there's Bible verses in those songs. But I'm just going to ask you to look in a mirror and see what's in you. And then as you sing the words, maybe in, in the words on the screen or maybe in tongues or in your own words... The Word of God comes out and you'll see change in your life. And I promise you, I, I, I want to make an absolute guarantee and a promise to you. If you will do this, if you will just look at His Word in, in the spirit realm, just say, Lord, this is a mirror showing me who I really am, and then start speaking it out. If you do that every day for the next 30 days, you will see an amazing change in your life. I promise you. You'll look back and you'll say, I can't believe how it's changed. All those other things I tried to do to change me, didn't do it, but this has changed me. I promise you, you'll see a change like you've never seen before. So let's worship. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.